Hello, hello. Welcome to the show. I'm Joy Dooling, and you are listening to the Joy of Membership podcast. This podcast is for membership leaders. So we talk about strategies for attracting, engaging, and retaining members. But that's not entirely the focus of the show, because let's be honest here, there is no shortage of advice out there on best practices in membership. What we need to talk about is how to actually make those things possible in the real world, how to be absolutely sure that growth practices are going to stick, how to make those things easier, more consistent, and even automatic in some cases. Sound good? Then stick around because we're about to jump into it. Hey there, Joy Dooling here, host of the Joy of Membership podcast. Welcome to this week's episode. You know, as membership leaders, of course, we love it when members love us. But what about when they don't? What about when they complain, get in the way of progress, or they behave in a way that doesn't serve the organization? What about when they are just simply difficult? Yeah, there are people like that, aren't there? This week's guest is Barbara Kazan, an expert in customer service, and she shared her thoughts about dealing with such difficult situations. Barbara is an internationally recognized speaker and trainer. She has delivered over 1,700 presentations to 75,000 people in 12 different countries on customer service, patient experience, leadership, and communication so she knows her stuff. But this week, we have her here with us on the podcast. So let's jump into today's conversation and hear from Barbara. Hey, Barbara, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for coming. I'm super excited to be here, Joy. Yay. (laughs) I love your energy. Okay, so let's start where I always do with interviews and tell everyone who you are and who you help. That's a great question. How much time do we have? Just kidding. So (laughs) my name is Barbara Kazam, and I help organizations deliver an extraordinary experience to customers, aka patients. I'd say 80% of my clients are actually in the healthcare industry. But I help other industries as well. So I'm all about the patient or customer experience. And my motto, I'll share with you my business motto, bringing manners back to business. Uh Because I truly believe and have found over the years when leaders treat employees well, employees treat customers and patients well. So it all starts at the top. That's what I'm all about. Absolutely. So when I went looking for someone who might have insights to share around the topic of customer experience, you popped up because you've done a lot of work in this area. Yes, and I know. So we all know that difficult customers, difficult members are just part of being in the business. What can you share with us around difficult customers? Like, where should we start? That's a great question. So to me, difficult customers are slightly different than difficult members. Because a difficult customer could, what, come and go and you never see them again. However, a member, to me, is someone who's long-term, 
who is going to stick around? Do you have more chances of encounters with them? So it's a little bit different of a strategy. I used to be in Toastmasters for many, many years, and we have lots of members. I've spoken to a lot of different Toastmaster clubs. And really, the consensus was, if you have members that are really that difficult, like they argue with you and they're always debating you, well, do we want that member as part of our organization because one difficult member can bring down all members. So there's a consideration of, do we want them to still as part of our group or is this someone that just, we never communicated expectations with? Maybe they just don't know that they can't just interrupt us when we're speaking all the time or that, that we don't have any standards. So I, I'm a big proponent of setting clear expectations from the get-go with anybody, right? With a member, with a customer, with your loved ones. Because when you have those clear expectations and then they violate that expectation, you can have a communication. Hey, John, remember when we talked about uh, the expectation is this, and today at the meeting at 8.30, you shoved me down the stairwell. Do you remember that? Yeah, well, that's, that's not what we do in this group. So let's talk about that. Like that's an easy conversation, right? But it all starts with, it's all about communication, setting clear expectations in my viewpoint. Well, and there are certainly different breeds of difficult customers, difficult members. I mean, there are, there are members who are inappropriate, difficult members. And certainly I can see the value there in pruning out those people because you certainly don't want them to be spoiling your community. Then there are the type that when they give feedback, they see it as being constructive. They see it as being helpful, but it can feel not so helpful. It can feel like this is someone who's always complaining. You can't make them happy, that sort of thing. So have you seen that kind of spectrum in the work that you've done with organizations? Yes, I have. (laughs) What we've had to do, what I've found fairly successful is with those people, because in Toastmasters, feedback is huge. Toastmasters is uh, just for everybody. You probably know it's a public speaking organization. So it's where people go to learn how to speak in public. And in every meeting, People give speeches, and in every meeting, people give feedback. But there's a specific process to giving feedback. You just can't say, hey, Joy, that speech sucked. No, no, no. That's not what we're doing here, right? So everyone knows the process. So you start with the sandwich technique, sort of. You start with something that they did great. You give a suggestion on added value, not on what they did horrible, but on here's some things you might consider changing. And then end with another positive statement. But everyone is taught the correct feedback process. Now, sometimes you don't know that someone doesn't know that, like the first time it happens, you're like, whoa, that person just kind of socked me in the stomach. But then we can have a conversation and go, hey, you know what? I appreciate your feedback. I also would appreciate it if you could do it in a format that's more constructive. So a communication though has to happen, right? If someone's doing something that we don't like, no matter who it is, and we never say anything, we can't assume they know. So 
it really is all about communicating, right? I think. So receiving feedback, whether it's constructive or doesn't feel so constructive, can be hard receiving that feedback in a manner that is receptive. Mm -hmm. So what tips do you have for those of us that when the feedback comes in, there's instantly a tendency to want to defend the organization. We're doing a great job. How do you think that we can help organizations just be better at that receptiveness? Okay, my two tips for that one. There's two types of people who give feedback. One of them is the expert who has validity to it. There's fact, you know, really behind it. The other one is that I call ignoramus, who's just trying to make you mad. So how do you distinguish the two is ask specific questions, make them get specific. So for example, if someone says, gosh, Barb, you're always so negative around here. I don't know what that means. So I'm going to say, really? Wow. Can you please be more specific? Because I certainly don't want to be seen as negative. The expert will have validity. They'll say, well, every time I, you come in in the morning, people say, hi, never even respond back. Oh, yeah. And you know what? You're right. I, 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 don't even, I don't even look at people. That's valid feedback. I can do something about it. The ignoramus will say, you know what I mean. To which I will reply, no, I don't know what you mean. Please be specific because I, I, I don't want to be seen as negative. To which they will reply, oh, never mind. So that's how you can distinguish true feedback from something else is get them to be more specific. Whether this is a personal comment or about your organization, what specifically about X is it that makes you feel that? So that's how you can distinguish it. And that helps me not take it so personal. Like I want feedback. I want to be better. I, I want to hear if I'm doing something that's bothering you. So by making them get really specific, you can distinguish true from false and you cannot take it so personal. Okay. So if we back up from the whole angle of um, someone being difficult and we just think about an organization soliciting feedback because they want to do a better job of providing customer service and maybe not even a, a better job, but you know they want to know what kind of job they're doing. Yeah. How can organizations approach getting feedback in an effective way? I mean, do you recommend your organizational clients do surveys or do conversations? What have you seen be most effective so that you can apply it to customer service later? Yes, to everything. (laughs) Here's a statistic that's fairly common. 80% of companies think they provide great service. Only 8% of customers agree. Wow. So companies think they're all that. Oh, look at us. Look at us. We're great, great, great. But they never get the feedback. So how do you get the feedback? My successful clients do everything. They'll send out surveys. They will call people. They will send emails. They will do, I love this one. They have focus groups of clients and they will meet like quarterly and get their most valued clients and they talk to them and they go, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's what we're offering. Here's how we communicate. Is this working? Is it not? How can we tweak it? But they're constantly getting feedback, whether it's email, phone calls, they check social media. Oh my gosh. Social media is huge nowadays. 
94% of customers go online to check out a company before they go there, 94%. So are we monitoring, are we communicating with the online reviews? So all of it is huge, hugely important nowadays. And social media talk about a venue where people will speak their mind if they are not happy. The social media is one of them for sure. Yeah, it's huge. And it's so easy to hide behind a computer, right? And just write this horrible review about someone. Well, you got to get on it. Like you got to have a team or someone's got to be monitoring that for sure. So Barbara, do you have any examples? You don't have to name any specific clients, but do you have any examples of organizations that you think have done a great job around planning for customer service, addressing difficult customers that you can share with us today? Hmm. Nope. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, wow. Let's see. Well, have you heard of Trader Joe's? Oh, sure. Okay. So Trader Joe's, for those of you who don't know, is like a grocery store it, it, yeah, thing. It's kind of, I don't know if it's boutique but it doesn't have everything. But Trader Joe's, what I've noticed, they're located throughout the United States. They are very consistently good. So the people that work there are very similar. No matter if I go to one in New Jersey or one in California, the people that work there are very friendly and they're very knowledgeable. They have processes and standards on hiring, on how people should act, and on how to deal with difficult people. If you're a customer and you're angry, oh my gosh, they'll take care of you immediately. If the employee can't, they'll get you to the manager and they're on it because they have processes around it. So that's one of the ones I've noticed. It's not like a huge company like the Hilton. I've had bad experiences with some Hiltons. It's a smaller chain of a company, but very consistently good from store to store, employee to employee. Well, and it strikes me that the organizations that do an amazing job with this are those that have invested the time into pre-planning. Like, absolutely. How do we want these things to happen? And just accepting the eventuality that you can't make everyone happy. So at some point, you're going to get some feedback from a client or a member or a customer who um, is in whatever state of mind. <laughs> and you're going to have to address that. So giving some right. advance thought to what you will do in those situations or how you'll handle their feedback just makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. And check this out, Joy. So there's another statistic for you. So I like statistics because my background's actually in chemistry of all things. Ah, but so check this out. 86, per ni- 86 to 95% of people who complain will return if they are impressed with the company's response. So we're going to have a complaint. Someone's going to complain, right? But if we respond, we give them empathy, we acknowledge, we apologize, give them a solution. If we do all the right steps, that customer becomes loyal. Like they jump above satisfied and become loyal and they tell all their friends. So sometimes I almost think, well, maybe we want people to complain because when we can treat them well, and resolve the complaint, ooh, now we've created a loyal customer. Hmm, That's interesting. It is. So for organizations that are listening to this and thinking, yeah, I really 
should look at our policies around us. We should perhaps examine how we are dealing with customer feedback, difficult members. Where's a good place for them to start? Somewhere. (laughs) You got to hire me. I'm kidding. One of the problems is most employees are not trained on how to deal with difficult people. They kind of freak out. Like, I mean, think about some generations can't even make eye contact. Like they, they're not trained on what to say or do with a difficult person. So first thing I would do is create a process. Again, like you could Google, how do I deal with difficult customers? There's all these acronyms and things, but commit to it and then train your folks regularly on what to say to these people. What is the process? Set the standard, train your folks, and then model the behavior. But you've got to start with something, right? You got to start with some kind of process or formula to help your people or they're all going to freak out. Isn't that the solution to most problems? Yeah. Starting somewhere. And (laughs) (laughs) realize you have a problem and then work on it. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Well, Barbara, for those folks who um, are listening to this and they think I should connect with Barbara, where should we send them? Yes. Go go to my website, which is barbarakazam.com. I'm sure you can help them smell it. <laughs> I will absolutely put a link in the show notes for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you for this conversation and sharing your insights. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Joy. Of course. Joy here, back with a few thoughts about this week's episode. You know, as I was hearing Barbara talk about feedback from members and being open to that feedback and how to react to feedback that you might not like to hear and members who are just simply difficult and how to deal with those situations, I realized that we can actually be getting feedback from members all along the way. In just about every step of the journey, there are some sort of feedback questions that you could be asking. For example, in the discovery stage, when people are just finding out about your organization, you can actually be asking questions like, hey, what brought you to this site? Was this page helpful? How can this resource be more helpful to you? In contemplation, when members are aware of you, but they haven't yet made the decision to join, Um, So I guess they'd be prospects, not members. But when they're in that decision state, you know, one of the questions that you might be asking them is, what prevents you from joining today? So you can get a sense of where the barriers are. In activation, which is the stage in which they are actually taking the action to become a member, you can ask them to rate how easy or difficult they found the joining process. In onboarding, you could check in with them to see if they've gotten connected with everything that they need. And is there anything missing from what they expected to find as a new member? In engagement, which is when they're actually interacting with the benefits that you offer, you can do check-ins. How are things going? What's the best thing you've experienced recently? Do you have some goals for next quarter? that are important to you. In pre-renewal, you can check in on, has anything changed since you joined? 
nine months ago, 10 months ago. When you first joined, you said that X was important to you. Have you made progress on that? Can you think of anything that would have made your experience better this year? And then, of course, after someone renews, you can send messages like, you know, we're so glad you're sticking with us for another year. Would you mind sharing what the deciding factor was in your decision to renew? What goals do you have for the year ahead? So just sprinkling these feedback questions into the various stages of member experience can give you some information that you can take action on, that you can include in your planning for the next year. And of course, in addition to asking these sorts of questions, there is also feedback that you can pick up from looking at your data. How long does it take someone on average before they become a member? What percentage of your members are choosing to renew? For members that participate in specific programs, how many actually return to that program again after experiencing it for the first time? So there are lots of ways that you can collect feedback, but then being open to hearing it and doing something about it is another thing entirely. I recently spoke with a member of an organization who expressed some frustration about the fact that her organization collects feedback every year, has the same conversations about that feedback every year, and then nothing seems to happen about it. At least that's her perspective. You definitely don't want that to be the story that members tell about you. So whether the feedback is what you want to hear or not, it's important for members to feel like you do actually take action on what you hear. Now, Thursday, I'm going to be doing a live session where I will be showing you the tools that JourneyCare has to help you collect feedback from members and then actually do something about it. So if this is a topic that you are interested in exploring, you may want to come to that training. If you register at journeycare.app slash training, you can get registered for the entire series. We actually do a different topic every week. So if you're using tools like SurveyMonkey or Formsight or JotForm or something like that to create feedback forms for your organization, you may be interested in seeing what JourneyCare can do with respect to those. That brings us to a wrap on this week's episode. I will see you back here next week with another great guest. In the meantime, take care. Hey there, you made it all the way to the end. Bravo to you. I'm back in just one last time to remind you that there's a free one-page PDF available over at the website that shows you more than 20 ways that technology could be supporting your efforts to attract, engage, and retain more members. It's actually broken down into the stages of the member journey, so you'll know exactly where each piece fits. And everything that's on that one pager can actually be automatically done for you with software that costs less than $1,000 per year. So if you haven't already grabbed it, you can get your copy at joyofmembership.com slash tech, joyofmembership.com slash tech, T-E-C-H. Have a great week and I'll see you next time.